microphone problems. Welcome to Mayflower on this first Sunday of September. Many of you are joining us via live stream from cottages and holiday destinations. We hope you enjoy this last burst of summer. For those of you in the sanctuary this morning, we anticipate a wonderful time together. And if you are sitting anywhere near the aisle, I hope you know what to do. Grab that friendship register and sign it and pass it along to those in your pew. We appreciate this greatly. Thank you, thank you. Well, this is the last Sunday in our summer series of Voices and Vision, and I am thrilled that Alexiana Fry is with us to preach this morning. I met Alexiana several years ago. We were in a Be the Bridge small group. She was serving on staff at a church in the area, but she is now, uh, since then, has pursued her doctorate and will be defending her dissertation in a couple of weeks. She's also an adjunct professor and an Old Testament scholar, so it is a thrill to have her with us this morning. Next week is our fall launch Sunday and our annual Mayflower picnic. Uh, Rumor has it that there will be cousins, chicken, and a DJ, so make sure you join us for the start of our ministry year. And hopefully you received a Mayflower newsletter in your mailbox. If you didn't, you can find one in the narthex. Please make sure you read through it so you're up on all the things happening around Mayflower this fall. At this time, I would love to introduce Dr. Julia Brown to tell us about today's music. Psalm 146, a psalm of praise. Um, When I told Anne-Marie that that was the scripture for today, she said, we've got to sing Ferdinand Hummel's Alleluia. It's just such an outburst and pouring of praise, and you will hear that both in Anne-Marie's reading of Psalm 146 and in her singing of this piece by Ferdinand Hummel, a German composer from the middle of the 19th century. Thank you, Julia. Well, this is a communion Sunday here at Mayflower, and today we're going to do things a little bit differently. As you can see, we have the elements here on the table, and later in our service, Alexiana and I will go through the communion liturgy, and then we're going to invite you to come forward while Julia plays to receive the communion elements in the little individual cups. As you are seated back in your pew, you could take a moment of reflection and then partake uh, the elements when you are ready. If you do not want to get out of your seat and come forward, don't worry. The ushers will be available to give you the individualized elements at that time. So now let's begin our time of worship with our call to worship. The Lord is gracious and merciful slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. Come, let us worship the Lord of glory and power. 
Let us pray together. Holy Lord, you are faithful in your word and gracious in your deeds. You uphold all of us who fall, and you raise up all of us who are bowed down. Help us to look to you. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. And you are near to all who call on you. We call on you today. Be near to us. Amen. This morning's reading is found on, in uh, Psalm 146. It's on page 447 in your pew Bible. Page 447. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On the very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in, their Lord, in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God.
Good morning, friends. Oh, thank you. Wow. Got some, got some good mornings back. That's really nice. Hi. <laughs> My name is Alexiana Fry, and it is just a joy to be here today. Um, I'm excited because this is somewhat of the beginning for me of beginning to get to know some of you beautiful people. Um, if you don't know, I'll be here every Monday starting next week. Um, hanging out with the parables of Jesus Christ and some of you wonderful women. So see you then. <laughs> um, today, the text that we're doing is Psalm 146. We'll be focusing in on that passage, um, going section by section together. Um, if you want to follow along, you can turn um, into your Bibles. Uh, if you want to pull up that on your screen and flip right through it, I don't care. Or if you just want to ignore what I've just said all together and listen, that's great too. This psalm, while it is read as a community and received as a community, as it's already been said, it is a beautiful, beautiful testimony of praise and answered prayer. So this psalm testifies to an answered prayer, publicly announcing that whoever this prayer was asked for um, was heard and met. Because of this, some scholars actually believe, while it's not labeled, Um, that it's David who sings this hallelujah as God had heard his prayer in Psalm 145. So even if you want to look at the psalm beforehand um, to compare and contrast, you can do that as well. But all in all, it feels like we could read this psalm as we did, beautifully so, thank you. And I could walk away from the pulpit, right? What a joyous, miraculous gift to hear the testimony of answered prayer. The psalm speaks for itself in many, many ways. But let me admit something to you this morning. The psalm sounds really wonderful, but I don't feel it. I want to walk away from the text, because for me, in light of the disaster, the oppression, the sickness, in the world, in this current moment, none of what we pray feels true, feels true, right? I could start naming things if that would be more helpful. But it feels like if I were to name the disasters, the list would never stop. Anyone else feeling that this morning? Happy Labor Day. (laughs) These verses are uncomfortable to me because I have a really hard time resting in them. And believing them. So this morning, alongside you, I'll be preaching a little bit at my own self. Ironically, you could take this psalm and you could reverse it. In a sense, saying to God, you did this for them. Why aren't you doing this now? Or, this is who you say you are. I need you to show up. You could turn it. But this is not why this psalm is here. The psalm is here because God answered prayers. And from the text, some really big and beautiful ones. When someone testifies to you, or maybe an irregular um, term, (laughs) uh, shares their story with you, whether good or bad, the listener's job is to participate, to bear witness in those things. A story tends to change us, even just a little bit, maybe if we don't even notice. 
When we hear this beautiful prayer, we are inspired that maybe while David praises, we might praise too, no matter where we might be at in the present time. And David, this grandiose king in in all of the books that describe him, if you want to read those as well, (laughs) remarks even to his own detriment, starting in verse 3, don't trust in me. Don't trust in rulers. Don't trust in the power structures that thrive here. Well, that is another sermon in and of itself. And we could go on for a long tangent on just those verses alone. I want to specifically focus our time on verse 5 and below. We're not supposed to trust holy and human power, especially as they fail in our faulty. Can I get an amen on that one? (laughs) Even myself. (laughs) And as we can see the poetic contrast with the bottom half and the top, right? There's some significant difference. There's not salvation, not help here, not in me, not in rulers, not in the power structures that might thrive. But in contrast, happy Blessed are those who trust in God, who hope in the Lord their God. Thank you, microphone, for giving me some added boost to that word. But hope is really important. We know some of the story, enough to be able to grasp that we'll follow after where salvation is, right? And so I want to focus in on that word hope today. I think we have some really bad definitions of hope that we've either been taught or told. Hope, too, can often be a catalyst, like a story, that changes both us and the things around us. But often, hope is defined as a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen, or a feeling of trust. Two key concepts, or just the words itself, in there that describe hope as a feeling. But it struck me as I was reading a different book um, by author and activist Mariam Kaba. She defines hope a little differently. She writes, I always tell people, for me, hope doesn't preclude feeling sadness or frustration or anger or any other emotion that makes total sense. Hope isn't an emotion. Hope is not optimism. Hope is a discipline. Kaba herself learned this from a nun who herself was struggling to live in this world. This nun taught Kaba that she had to practice hope. Hope is a discipline this nun had to practice every day in spite of what she saw. Let me be clear a little bit deeper. Um, As I said earlier, Miriam Kaba is an abolitionist. There are things daily, hourly, every minute that should discourage her from continuing her work, in theory. But she believes, like Martin Luther King Jr. said, the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. This doesn't mean she decided to read this psalm or to hear what the nun said and say, let go and let God. Because she knows eventually this moves towards justice because she's a part of it. She's practicing it. 
so she doesn't spiritually bypass through. Kaba works. She practices that hope by being a part of this journey. She is grounded because she knows in the end that's where it's going, even though she might not see it in her own lifetime. Even though she knows tomorrow might hold something that sets her back, even if it looks like it's going in the opposite direction, she is disciplined in hope, in spite of the contrary, even if. Let's bring this back because I kind of just went on a little bit of a rant on hope, right? What does hope have anything to do with this? So the book of Psalms, as I hope we know here, is made up of what scholars call five separate books. And Psalms 146 is part of book five, just the last book. Obviously, there's not many more after Psalm 146. It's in the midst of what are called the Hallelujah Psalms, and we certainly sang some hallelujahs. And why do I say this? Why, is these, why are these trivia facts important for you? Because we have to zoom out. This one psalm is not the whole of what is brought before God. It's not the sum of the emotions we can have or feel in our relationship with one another and with the divine. The psalm, as you, psalms, as you know, are chock full of the roller coaster of emotions we experience on a day-to-day basis. And those, they're in scripture. They're more than okay. Please do not only tell good stories and good news because of what I say today. My lack of hope as a feeling is even mirrored and seen in other psalms throughout these books. But it is here, Psalm 146, the very end, where we actually get what is the foundation from which we must hope from. Interestingly enough, it is this foundation of hope in God that moves us towards other emotions we see throughout the book of Psalms. It is hope in God that makes me lament. I know who you say you are, which is a remark of faith and belief. It is hope in God that makes me saddened at the sickness and death. It is hope in God that we must practice and lean into. Hope moves us. Scholar Derek Suderman says, against persistent appearances to the contrary, the Psalms challenge contemporary listeners to declare that God does watch over his people and that injustice and oppression will not have the last word. As we join in the resounding praise, We also do so aware that we may be part of the systems and powers that God opposes and will bring to judgment. Rather than triumphant imperialism or smug self-satisfaction, the cacophony of praise at the end of the Psalms prompts ongoing introspection, whereby we evaluate whether we are indeed abandoning ourselves in the radical trust of God. This radical trust that Suderman mentions is echoed throughout the Psalms, a practice, disciplined hope. I love that he also mentions that this psalm should bring about not just outward expression of hallelujah, but an inward one as well, an introspection that causes us to reflect in what ways we are participating, practicing. Do we trust in princes? rather, in the systems and structures humanity has built? 
or do we trust in God? This radical trust that is grounded in hope that there is more, the ark does move in the right direction, and there is abundance. This radical trust and hope propels us to work in ways that free others. Five times in the psalm, the sacred name is mentioned. In English Bibles, you can see it. It's LORD in all caps. This emphasis on the name and some of the adjectives that go with it, some of the participles, proclaim to all who hear, do you see this God? He's active. He's at work. What I love, actually, about the message version of this scripture is that it added a little section before verse 6 that happily proclaims, God always does what they say. And the knowledge of God's acts are grounded here in this work of creation, that first portion of the psalm. Something we need to take more time to behold. What power, what glory surrounds us. Another author, I like to read, just an FYI. Another author, Rebecca Solnit, writes on hope. To be hopeful means to be uncertain about tomorrow, to be tender towards possibilities, and to be dedicated to change all the way down to the bottom of your heart. We might not see what David sees. In fact, most times, I feel like I don't. But maybe that's because of another issue. On Tuesday, actually, um, the Jewish festival of Rosh Hashanah um, is both the celebration of the new year for them, Shana Tova, for anybody who celebrates, as well as a time to come together to take stock of their lives, both individually and communally. It fits today quite beautifully with our psalm, as they call it the new year and sort of the beginning of creation being celebrated during this time. But it nonetheless fits with the first half of our psalm, as well as the latter half of our psalm. They believe that this was the day that humanity was created. Together as a community, they come together, and they look at the past, the present, and the future. In light of God's creation, God's sovereignty, God's majesty. And due to that introspection, while they celebrate... They also take 10 days to repent. They repent until the day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. They tashlish, or they cast away their sins into the water, bread, while feasting on gifts of challah, apples, and honey, as they look ahead and hope and taste a literally sweet future. The tension in between those two things, this casting out of sins and this eating of such sweet goodness, doesn't need to cancel each other out. They work hand in hand, enjoined. There is no either or. It is both and. It is needed and necessary, thus a yearly occurrence for them, to literally in their bodies remember that these actions are necessary, both celebration and repentance the same time. So this psalm is a call bearing witness, yes, because we listen and we hear these beautiful words that are being spoken by the individual that says them, 
but also listening to who is mentioned as loved in verse 8. The Lord loves the righteous. Which, if you haven't been told yet, is a really poor translation from the Hebrew to English word. The Lord loves those who do justice. Sadiq. To be righteous is to do justice. Are we, as Solnit writes, dedicated to change? Or do we have a false hope that we don't need to change? That we don't need to be changed? All of God's actions in the second half of the psalm are liberative. But more often, as our psalm shows, they're liberative to those who are the often most forgotten, neglected, dehumanized, and disregarded. The words in these psalms and the people he described describe prisoners, the hungry, the poor, the oppressed, the blind, the refugee or the stranger, the widow, the orphan. Do you have those people in your life? And these aren't code words that we need spiritualized today. These are literal prisoners, hungry, oppressed, blind, refugee, widow, orphan. Hope is a practice, a discipline, calling us to hear and to do likewise, calling us to be active and at work with the things that we are told. Angela Davis says, you have to act as if it were possible to radically transform the world. And you have to do it all the time. Hope is something that, if active, drives us to action. Hope doesn't sit on its hands. Hope, bearing witness, is active, alive, and working. Hope brings about change. Hope moves us. And as we work, we are rooted in this hope that God has been and is working. Those two, again, humans working and God working, do not cancel each other out. They work together. What a grace, what a gift. So we keep up on this discipline of active hope, knowing as we are fueled by these praises that we must continue. And once more, if your hope is moving you to act in ways that are not bringing about justice and liberation in this world here and now to those who are oppressed and hurting, then it's not what this psalm is talking about. In that case, we need to refer back to that introspection that Suderman mentions, right? May we tashlish and repent of the ways we are not working for justice. And as we end today, it mentions generations and generations. This is why stories from generation to generation are important. Verse 10 ends that way. Keep sharing these praises. With the barrage of awful news going on, we can be attuned to just freeze, to stop moving. And this is not at all to say we can't or shouldn't discuss this heartbreak. It's in the psalm itself. We hear it and we attend to it, recognizing ultimately that hope is grounded in a God who acts. But reminding ourselves of where goodness is and how we can be a part of that in doing justice brings about this circular motion that keeps us moving. Help feeds itself. Tell your children, tell your children's children, we need the stories of our ancestors to keep us going. It's in part why we have a whole book 
of Scripture, right? We have those stories to remind us that we have a God that watches, that moves. Do you see what God can do? Do you see what God has done? What stories do you need to be reminded of today in order to get some of that hope to practice? Do we have hope even if? Can we lift our eyes knowing that we labor not in vain? Or maybe we can phrase it a little differently today as I wrap up our time together. Do we believe? God, help our unbelief. Thank you. Thank you, Alexiana, for such a powerful word about hope this morning. This is a time in our service when the ushers will come forward to receive this morning's offering. Whether you give here, you give online, or you text to give, your generosity supports the ministry of this church, and we thank you greatly.
You may be seated. Technical difficulties aside, we're going to just change our microphones. How's that? <laughs> we are doing things a little bit differently this morning with our communion. So we'll go through some of the liturgy, and then, as I said earlier, you are welcome to come forward to grab your individualized communion elements. So the invitation to communion is for everyone. This is not an exclusive invitation. This is open to all. There is no exclusion to who can come and meet us at the table. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You who come to me shall never hunger. You who believe in me shall never thirst. So in company with all who hunger for spiritual food, we come to this table to know the risen Christ and the sharing of this life-giving bread. Would you pray with me? Holy God, by your Holy Spirit, we pray that you consecrate these gifts of bread and wine and bless us that as we receive them at this table, may we offer you our faith and praise. May we be united with Christ and with one another, and may we continue to be faithful in all things. Amen. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table, and Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Ministering to you in the name of Christ, we share the bread. And in the same manner, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood that has been poured out for you. Ministering to you in the name of Christ, we share this cup. You are now welcome to exit your row and come forward to receive the elements. The bread of life, the cup of salvation. The bread of life, the cup of salvation. 
take that. And the bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. The bread of life is the cup of salvation. And with this, we have a prayer of thanksgiving. You have created us, O God, in the image of the one whom we have remembered around this table. You have nourished us with good gifts for our journey ahead. With grateful hearts, we ask your continuing spirit to sustain our daily lives as we follow the light of Christ. Help us to invite people into the fold of your love through Jesus Christ. And now, may we all pray the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
benediction. Um, In my own reading, my personal devotions, I'm in the book of Acts. I'm at the portion where Peter is explaining to his Jewish family members that God has spoken. The Holy Spirit has moved. And he ends his testimony of including the Gentiles that are following Christ by saying the words, How could I possibly hinder God? This phrase has stuck with me. Obviously, I'm saying it today. And it very much applies to what we thought through and considered today. Would you hold your hands out as I send you off with a word that I hope moves you to action? May you be rooted and grounded in love, in light, in life, in hope. In hope that God is active and we too follow. How could we possibly hinder God as they move in ways that liberate and free and accept? May we follow May we believe. May we continue to hope. Amen. Peace be with you. Shana Tova. Good to see you again. I'm glad I recognized you with a mask on. I just 
Yeah. When I'm switching out, we have all these Bibles. Yeah. Of course, I sat by one that's totally falling apart, so I put a bunch of those switch out words right this summer. Perfect. So I'm doing a little help for you. Yes, you are. <laughs> See you next Monday. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you soon. <laughs> I like your outfit. Oh, thanks. Oh, just a, like a Medusa thing. Yeah, I have Artemis on me, so okay. I understand. Oh, cool. I feel it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you.